Welcome to CF Speaks. In this episode, we will begin our multi-part series on idioma oluos, so you want to talk about race. This is a 2018 uh, nonfiction book about race relations in America. In it, Oluo outlines her opinions on the topics as well as advice about how to talk about the issues. Um, the book received renewed interest following the May 2020 killing of George Floyd, after which the book re-entered the New York Times bestseller list. Jakiria Beard is a current student at the College of Central Florida. In the fifth grade, she received the STEP scholarship to the school and is currently the president of the Student Activities Board. She plans to pursue a bachelor's in psychology after leaving CF. Marjorie McGee is the director of student life at the College of Central Florida. This episode is a conversation between them. first uh, recording of um, of our deep reading of So You Want to Talk About Race for CF Speaks. So y'all are the first people to talk about the book. Um, can we talk about like what, from your perspective, what our goals might be for this, this section of the podcast? I think our goals should be to give people a honest perspective of what people of color tend to go through in their daily lives. And in this book, she dives deeply into that and talks about the struggles and how the conversations can either hinder or improve the way people talk about racism and just race in general. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, go ahead, Marjorie. Oh, I'm sorry, bud. Um, And I agree so much with what Jakiria says and, oh, and we lost her. Where'd she go? (laughs) Um, As a student, it's so great to hear and have our students diving deep into a book like this, like Jakiria was saying, um, I think for me, as a staff member, that's been around for a few more years than some of our students. For me, it's to learn about that it's okay to do things wrong. Um, These topics are so important for us to talk about, but we don't all know how to talk about them. And I certainly, as a 50-year-old white female, don't know what Jackie Jakiria has experienced in her young life Um, As a Black female, I don't understand everything. And my hope is that by starting this book and these discussions, we can all start to understand each other just a little bit more. Well, let's talk about your um, skin routine later. I cannot believe that you're... (laughs) You look so young, right? Actually, 51. (laughs) (laughs) I, I agree. And I think... 
you know, I have um, some more conservative students that um, would say that they um, maybe disagree with the concept of this book generally. Um, and I want, and I know that those people are in our community too. So I want to um, have a conversation that includes those people and that um, hopefully gets rid of as many um, myths about what it means mm-hmm. to talk about race. And I think it's it's really um, important to think we can make mistakes as long as we're trying. Okay, do we want to dive into the book? Uh, chapter one was um, called, uh, Is It Really About Race? I think one of the things that stuck out to me most um, in this chapter is the reference to the past and the past fighters uh, to bring about racial equality. Um, And I'm going to quote the book directly on page 11. Those words are why the wealth gap between whites and blacks is just as bad as it was when Dr. King was leading marches. We're still waiting. We're still hoping we're still left behind. And that just, I mean, I even wrote those words over again in my notes. It just hugs at my emotions. I know Jack Jakiria talks about you have to be conscious of not letting conversations about race get emotional because then you can't get your goals accomplished. But that definitely tore at my heart. Um, we're still hoping we're still left behind. And to me, that just brings about the importance again about having these discussions and why is this? Why are groups still behind? Yes, I think overall we've come a long way and I can say that, but we just still have a lot of understanding to do both on on either side of the spectrum. I think there's a lot of understanding. And I think that I love using this word. I think empathy is needed. If we have empathy and we have understanding and we both come to a conversation willing to hear a side that doesn't necessarily add up to our beliefs, I think we would have a lot more change than what we have. And I love that she gives a lot of her experiences. I'm not, I think this is in chapter one, but she talks about um, an internet argument, which we've all had our fair share of internet arguments specifically with this topic. And she says that um, one of her coworkers that she, you know, thought she could trust and she was talking about this conversation and he's saying words like people like you need to stop being less angry. And that really hit home for me because it's like, it's not that, yes, there's anger, but there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of feelings behind that that yes it can be portrayed angry but um there it's more to that and i think 
that's just a stereotype or a microaggression that people need to get past that because if you get past that you'd see the hurt you'd see the pain and you'd see the sadness that's really what experiencing racism is and i think that really goes to jakiria um you know the point where she's talking about when is it really when is a conversation really about race and i think what the experience of hers that you're sharing it goes to the point of it's a conversation about race if a person of color thinks it is about race and we have to be willing to accept that and know that where she was having that interaction with her coworker who didn't think it was about race at all um, but it's definitely hitting her in that way. And I think that goes back to what we we're talking about is the understanding. And that's, we have so much more to learn uh, and so much more to understand. So we do know and we empathize with where the other person is coming from. Um, I just found something in the book that I would like to share. She says, we like to filter new information through our own experience to experiences to see if it computes if it matches up with what we have experiences it's valid and if it doesn't match up it's mm -hmm. not and that explains a lot of the angry conversations the mean internet arguments is if we don't see it as something we have seen through our own eyes it's not real but we have to realize that everybody is different everybody sees the world differently so even though you might have never had this experience it, it doesn't mean that there's a possibility that somebody else has gone through it mm -hmm. you know we don't think it's real if we don't see it in front of our eyes and that's not true yeah, I think one of the most, I just got goosebumps, Jakiria, because I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but I grew up in the North, and I did not grow up where racism was very prevalent. Um, you know, my neighbors were Black, and it was, they were just our neighbors. There wasn't anything different about them, um, and we just grew up that way. Our parents raised us that way. Moving to the South, things were very different for me. Something I experienced, and it has to do a story with your brother, actually. Back in 2000, let's see, it would have been 2009, uh, myself and then the Student Activities Board at the time, which we had a running joke about what they were. Um, it was four black boys, four white girls, and Nick. That was the joke that we referred to ourselves to because it was such an eclectic mix of students, um, four young black men from the northern part of part of our county and four young white women from other parts of the county that never would have met one another had it not been for CF and SAB. They were the closest group that we have ever had on campus. And then there was Nick. Nick was just another guy on our board um, and it was just this running joke. So anyway, we were at Walmart here in Ocala, all of us ringing the bell for the Salvation Army. And we had Christmas hats on and we were singing. And Jackie, you know how your brother is. He was singing Christmas carols and um, we're getting money. Like we got a lot of money donated for the Salvation Army. And Walmart came out and asked us to leave. And I was like, why why, why do we need to leave? And they just said, you just, you need to leave. You're, you're done volunteering for the day. They didn't, they said the Salvation Army was good that we didn't need 
to be there. And at the time, Nick, who was a young white male, part of our group, he had a hoodie on and a hat. He was walking towards our group and the security guy was coming. He said, are you with that? And I said, excuse me, am I with that? I said, that's Nick. He's one of our students. We're here volunteering. We're the student leaders on campus. And they proceeded to ask us to leave. And what it took me a minute to realize is that we were being discriminated against. And it was a racial thing. We were making people uncomfortable because we were four black boys, four white girls, and Nick standing out in front of Walmart singing Christmas carols, making people happy, getting donations of money. So that for me was one of the first times in my adult life that I experienced that kind of racism. I couldn't believe it, but we packed up politely. We left. I called the Salvation Army and reported it, which, of course, they had not asked us to leave. It was the store. It was Walmart themselves. We went into Starbucks because it's Saturday morning. What are we going to do? And told the Starbucks staff what had happened because they're like, where are you guys coming from? You look like a big group of people. Where? What were you doing? And we told them what happened and they were like appalled and um, gave us all free drinks and free um, pastries. So we sat in Starbucks and finished the rest of our time together as a group. But that was Again, it was something I experienced for the first time, maybe through the eyes of others. And that's crazy. I've never heard of that story before, and my brother never told me that. Him, that's just... And it's crazy. And, it, and now that I think about it, I wrote this quote in the book and it says, she said it, she said, if I stopped to feel the pain of racism I encountered, I would start screaming and then would never stop. <laughs> and I think that's what a lot of us feel like, even though we just do our day to day activities. But if we really stop and think about what all we have encountered, it would just be heartbreaking. And um, I, I, I would like to share this briefly horrible encounter that I will never forget. I think it's the first time I ever experienced racism in my, I've experienced racism through my other family members and like stuff like that. They've experienced it and they've told me, but I've never had it done to me because I've always been kind of protected with my brothers and my dad so one day I was in high school and um, I was selling sunny sweet tea and lemonade um, during orientation and I was just minding my business I was playing music it just happened to be some Kendrick Lamar and everybody was laughing and happy and then this older white couple came up to me and the husband started harassing me for some reason and he's telling me to turn that rap crap off and he's like I don't even know why you're playing this and he's just harassing me the whole time and I felt really uncomfortable so um, I hand the sweet tea and he walks away but he just happens to come back 30 minutes later and he looks at me and tells me you know if school doesn't work out you know this would be a really great job for you selling drinks and sweet tea and in that moment, I didn't know what he was saying, 
and I was very shocked. So it didn't hit me until I told him, I asked him to leave. And then after I was packing up and I just started crying because this man doesn't even know me and he thinks the best that I would do in this life is sell drinks to a person like him. And that has followed me throughout high school and college now. And I just look back at it and I'm like, we still have so much to do. We still have so much change to do. And it's really heartbreaking that 2021, we're still dealing with people who have a problem with another person's skin color. And it's just another day, another day. And I am, that makes me sad, Jackie, that you've had to experience those things. And it, it brings me back to, in her book, in chapter two, when she talks about why are we here? Why are we reading this book? Why are we taking the time, you know, to talk about race? Um, and again, I'll quote the book. So a good question to ask yourself right now is, why are you here? Did you pick up this book with the ultimate goal of getting people to be nicer to each other? Did you pick up this book with the goal of making more friends of different races? Or did you pick up this book with the goal of helping fight a system of oppression that is literally killing people of color? And, you know, I'm with Bud. We talk about being kind all the time. And kindness is huge, um, especially in our area and education. But it's about so much more than that. Yes, kindness will help a lot of things. Being nice to people will help so many things. But I really hope that many of us that read this and that see things um, in that way, that they do want to learn more about fighting the system you know, of oppression that continues those types of uh, racist behaviors that we might see sometimes in our world today. I think leading into that, um, the next chapter, it talks about what is racism. And I really love this chapter because he gives two definitions of racism. And the first one is racism is any prejudice against someone because of their race. And that's usually the one people um, um, think that is really and the one that they use the most and then the second one is racism is any prejudice against someone be someone because of their race when those views are reinforced by systems of power and I started to really think about it and I'm like you know what I don't I've never thought of it like that way and I really think that is a great definition that should go along with racism. I think they both are very important. And I think um, the first one is always used and it might be overused and it might be why a lot of those angry arguments start. But I think it's much more than that because it starts at the system. It starts at the, at the head, really. You know, it's much more than this. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you, Jackie, that experience that we had at Walmart that day, that was reinforced by power and that the people at Walmart, the boss, 
told us to leave. And it was reinforced, you know, by the supervisory staff that were there that day. So it was definitely a reinforced thing. And that's what's hardest to fight. I think it's, uh, I like that definition as well, uh, Jakiria. So thanks for, thanks for reading it. Um, But the, I think it's so important to say that when I, as a white person, experience racism against me for being white, and I don't know, I'll do air quotes racism there, but um, (laughs) it doesn't threaten me in a material way. I'm not ever worried about my job. I'm not ever worried that someone's going to think I am less smart or less capable or um, more athletic or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All of the, you know, various stereotypes that we might have about other races. And um, so, so the racism against me isn't backed by any sort of systemic power. So I can very easily brush that off. Um, but if it was backed by systemic power, I can imagine that it would bother me a lot more. And that actually brings up another thing I underlined. Um, It says, if I call a white person the C word, the worst I can do is ruin their day. If I call a white, if a white person thinks I'm the N word, the worst they can do is get me fired, arrested, or even killed in a system that thinks the same and has the force to act on it. And I read that so many times and it really struck a nerve. It really struck a nerve and it it's very true. You know, people can go about their day, but when they're called one name, but if I'm called that, that can have a wide range effect on my job, my career, and everything. People don't realize that sometimes you have power that you you have a lot of power that you don't realize you have. Mm -hmm. And if you use it out of spite and out of hate, you can ruin somebody's life and you can Mm -hmm. have that lasting impact on them that can drastically negatively affect them. Absolutely. There's so much measurable impact on things that it will have that we just don't see. going to say another thing where she's talking about that those the impacts um, where you can start addressing it face to face if you hear a comment um, that you know falls into that racist comment you know you can always say hey that's racist but also adding to it and it contributes to the false beliefs 
about black workers that keeps them from being interviewed for jobs. And so I like how she gives you examples, you know, even though you can say, well, gosh, that was racist, you can add more to it. And by, you know, by you saying those things, you're just perpetuating the myth or the false information that this culture or this skin color is going to always be late uh, to a meeting or something like that. You can stop it. We have the power within ourselves to stop those conversations when they come about. And I think that's really important that she gives several examples of ways of language that we can use to stop those. I I definitely agree. And stereotypes and those false and that false information, it really puts us behind because she talks about in the face how um, she has to work harder than the other co-workers she stayed late she made sure she was dressed like she was going on her first interview every day she said she was over polite and I really agree with that because I think a lot of people of color feel like they have to overdo to make sure they to make sure those stereotypes don't get away, get in the way of what they're trying to work towards. And if someone was to say that, we just took one step forward, take three, five steps back. And um, one quote that I love, I think this is my favorite quote that she said in there, is um, she was talking about uh, white Americans and how systematic racism started um, early in history. She said that um, specifically white Americans would use something like, you will get more because they exist to get less. Mm-hmm. And I really resonated with this is because this is more than just a group of individuals who don't like people of color. This is a system that was that started way back in history that was that is still being built upon to say that a group of individuals or people of color exist to get less so we can be more, we can do more. And you know, we she also says we have to actually dismantle the machine if we want to make change. So that this goes back on, it starts with the system. And I think that definitely you were talking, Jackie, about the preface. Um, she talks about she began her writing of this book out of frustration. And I expressed earlier when we were just chatting about that. I'm frustrated, you know, as a 51-year-old woman, I just don't understand why there's still so much question, you know, about race and why we're still in the same place we were back when Dr. Martin Luther King was fighting for civil rights. Because for me, again, the way that I was raised, where are we? Who are we? We're humans. We are the human race. Like, to me, race shouldn't be any other part of than we're the human race. That's what it is. Sure, you might have beautiful brown skin. I may have beautiful white skin. Somebody might have another color skin. That should not matter. We are the human race. That's where I would like to see the race conversation end up someday in a, in a dream world. It's about the human race. Yes, I 
And I think just frustration, frustration and quickly turn a conversation into one where friendships are lost and and everything like that and yeah i i like that um that quote jakiria because um part of like for me as a very different background from Marjorie. I come from um, like a super, <laughs> I come from Georgia. Um, I also had um, a ton of black neighbors, but um, all of the white neighbors that I was with were pretty openly racist. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but um, you know, since, you know, growing up a little bit, I can, I can recognize that. And the question of like, well, what if I'm not totally buying into this because my life has been hard as well, because Mm -hmm. I'm poor as well, and race has nothing to do with that. I think that what that quote is getting at is this idea of like, we can convince poor white people to dislike poor black people if we give poor black people a little bit less if we can at least position black people beneath the so if we're looking for like an olive branch for people that might not be 100% on board with the language that we're using in this book I think that could be an opening that could be a starting point mm-hmm. and it's good to hear um other people who feel very differently about the book because mm-hmm. that is a starting point into ha- to bringing them in and having a, a conversation, a, an effective conversation, is being able to sit down with other people who don't think like you and just say, hey, this, this is what... I feel like on this situation, this is what you feel like on this situation. Can we come to some type of understanding with this? And I love how she says, if the conversation goes left, walk away. And usually that's not what a lot of people do. And I am, I'm probably, probably gonna out myself out here but there's been times where I should have walked away but I didn't and I think if people use that mechanism you know walk away take five minutes breathe and then come back into a safe space where you guys are able to continue the conversation then it would be better for everyone and it wouldn't be emotionally draining is that from the next chapter, Jakiria? What if we talk about race wrong? Um, that actually might be. Yeah, I think that is the. It is, yeah. yeah. And I think that's the great thing. Um, go ahead, bud. I, I just I just love that question. I think that that's like a big part of this podcast. So if we do something wrong. Mm-hmm. Please forgive us. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's one of the keys um, is that, and I think the title of the book in itself, you know, so you want to talk about race and that just leads us right into this. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fumble. We're going to say the wrong thing. Um, we're going to empathize where maybe we're not supposed to empathize. And that's, 
the whole key is that we're talking about it and we're just having a conversation. Um, granted, it would be wonderful if they could be face-to-face conversations um, because body language and things like that, eye contact, uh, facial expressions, you know, we can definitely really feel people that way. But maybe this is also a blessing in disguise too, that we are doing it virtually. It's a podcast where you're hearing us and maybe it's a little bit easier for us to express how we really feel, you know, knowing that we're not seeing somebody face to face talking about it, but her giving us permission, you know, to screw up and it's okay. And she uses other words and then screw up. I like how she's really honest in some of the language that she uses as well, because sometimes we all slip up and say those uh, maybe cuss words that we don't mean to, but it's also a very honest uh, thing. And I, that's something I really liked about that third chapter is that we're going to screw it up, but it's important to state, why are we here? Why are we having the conversation and get it out there? I definitely agree. Um, she mentions, um, she gives some tips and her sixth tip is remember that it is worth the risk and commit to trying again. So even though it doesn't work that first conversation and you still end up unfortunately cursing somebody out or, <laughs> you know, you just have to back away and try again. Cause it is worth, it's always worth the risk. If we can just better than we have in the past and again into you know some of our other tips don't beat yourself up we're not always going to get it right you know that's part of the learning process um another thing too that stuck out to me is where she talks about when we're having conversations with each other and you do start to feel defensive to stop and ask yourself why why am I getting defensive? Why am I getting upset about this? And really do a little bit of self-reflection because is the conversation then turning more about you or about learning to understand somebody else? And to me, that's really important because I definitely um, get defensive uh, very easily, um, especially if I feel as someone has attacked me or my work or is coming after a student or something. I get defensive really quickly because I'm a very emotional person. But to remind me to take a step back and think about why am I getting defensive? This isn't about me. It's about something way more than me. And number seven it says, if you're a white, watch how many times you say I and me. But honestly, it can go both ways because I think if we put too much experience, we put too much personal experience, we're straying away from people still have to hear the facts. People, ha- people still have to hear why there's systematic oppression. Why is there systematic racism? Why is there a... Um, you know, such a divide in America when it comes to this topic. And I love the first tip also. It says state your intentions. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we don't do. If we go into a conversation first and be like, okay, this is my intentions of this conversation. My intention is never to hurt your feelings. My intention is never to make you hate me you know I think that would start 
the conversation with some healthy foundation already set if we mm-hmm. um, state what we want this convert how the, we want this conversation to go. Yeah. Jakaria, I think that you'll agree the conversation that we had as a student activities board um, with Dr. Mark Cummins a couple of weeks ago um, when he wanted to talk to our students about what's going on in the world and where you think things are going. He definitely started that conversation out with, here are my intentions. This is what I want to know. I'm just picking your brain because as a 56-year-old man, I don't understand and I want to understand more. So that's a really good example. He said right up front what he wanted to accomplish with that conversation. And he's 55. I think I said 56. Don't want to misrepresent his age. And I totally agree with you, Ms. Marjorie. And when he did that, we had a, we ended up having a really good conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, all these tips, they're really good. And, I, and number eight says, ask yourself, am I trying to be right or am I trying to do better? Most mm-hmm. of the time, those heated arguments are found on Facebook. There's usually the person trying to be right, but they're not trying to better themselves. They're not trying to. Um, broaden their knowledge on what is racist in America. They're just trying to one-up each other or see which comment is, comment is the most snarkiest or the most petty, you know. Or gets the most likes. <laughs> yes, definitely the most likes. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good one. Am I trying to be right or am I trying to do better? Like that's that's a really really good one to remember. And I think when people don't feel safe in the conversation, I think that's when it becomes very defensive. You know, it's important to feel uncomfortable those uncomfortable situations, but it's another thing to not feel safe in a situation because I think that can lead to a lot of defensiveness and then people start, you know, being mean to each other. Mm -hmm. I think one of the statements that she says that kind of wraps up that chapter, uh, chapter three is about take care in your conversations. And to me, that's just very impactful because take care. Like we need to do this carefully. We need to do it. It needs to happen but we do need to do it with care and respect. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you all so much for um, having, starting off this difficult conversation. That was um, Marjorie McGee, Director of Student Activities um, on campus here, and Jakiria Beard, who is the president of the Student Activities Board. So thanks so much. I think we really clearly set some intentions and some precedents. So thank you all. Thank you so much, Bud. We appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this.
College of Central Florida offers equal access and opportunity in employment admissions and educational activities. The college will not discriminate on the basis of race, color, ethnicity, religion, gender, pregnancy, age, marital status, national origin, genetic information, sexual orientation, gender identity, veteran status, or disability status in its employment practices or in the admission and treatment of students. Recognizing that sexual harassment constitutes discrimination on the basis of gender and violates this policy statement, the college will not tolerate such conduct. CF Speaks would like to thank the CF Foundation for their generous support. Please subscribe to CF Speaks on your preferred podcast platform to hear all past and future episodes. Thank you for listening.